Pastor Joel. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, everyone. Hello. Good morning. It is, uh, it is really good to be here. It's good to see all of you. Um, woke up this morning. I'm like, man, it looks like it's going to rain all day, and I'll be grateful for the 15 people that can come. It's totally fine, but you all made it, and it is so good to be here. Uh, as you heard, uh, Pastor Earl is away, um, so you're stuck with me this morning, and uh, anything can happen when you give the... Thank you, Erwin. Uh, anything can happen when you give uh, the youth pastor the mic. Uh, so we'll we'll see what we'll we'll see what happens here, and uh, who knows when this will happen again. So we'll make the most of our time together. Um, but I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that God has brought you here, um, and I believe that we are all here for a reason. Um, I believe that there is a purpose and a divine plan that God has for our lives. Um, I believe that this isn't just something that we do on a weekly basis, just to check off our list. Um, I believe that today, this morning, this weekend that we have here at church, um, I believe God has a word for you. And I believe that because I've been praying um, and I've been hoping that today would mark a day of spiritual significance in your life. I have been hoping and praying that God would speak to you in a way that you would need to hear him today. And in the next few moments, I hope that that happens um, not because you heard from me, but I hope and I pray and I believe that you will hear from God. Now, it is hard to believe how quickly time has passed. Um, and to think that we are already towards the end of summer kind of makes your head spin. It feels like summer just started, and it's August, and things are already starting to change. School will start soon, and if you look close enough, the, the evidence of the changing of seasons is kind of already showing itself. If you notice, uh, the sun is going down just a couple of minutes earlier with each day that passes by. Um, now, Jennifer mentioned that she's holding on a summer for dear life. I am not. I, I am ready for the cold. I, I am excited for the cold. It's been a hot summer. It was, it was a hot summer early and often, um, and I think, I think I'm already over it. So, God bring the cold. Uh, but for the summer this year, what we decided to do, uh, we decided to do a series titled Jesus. Very simple, very, uh, very plain, very easy to remember. And uh, we decided as a church that we were going to dive into the life of Jesus a little bit more than we normally do. We were going to dive into his words a little bit more than we normally do. And today I'd like to talk a little bit about what Jesus is doing in our lives on a daily basis, what, what, he is, what he is working, what he is moving, what he is changing and shifting in our lives on a, daily on a daily basis, because I believe that he is constantly working, and I believe that he is constantly moving, and I believe that he is always up to something, but oftentimes we might not be able to recognize it. And so before we go any further, I'd like to pray, and then we'll dive into the word. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for gathering us here today, this morning. And so God, I pray and I believe that there was and is a plan and a purpose for us and for this word that you have. God, I pray that you would allow us to focus in 
and hone in on what you are speaking. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would allow us to create space in our hearts for this word that you have prepared. And I pray, Father God, for those who, who are hurting and who are struggling, for those who are just making it by, God, I pray that you would give them strength for what you have for them. And so, God, I pray that we would hear your word. I pray that we would hear the truth, and may it set us free. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, if you would like to take notes this morning, the title of my message is simple. It's Jesus' Workmanship. We'll look at our, our, our main verse and our main passage. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And this is what it says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship. Another translation says handiwork. Workmanship, handiwork. There, there's something that is active and intimate about our lives and how our lives connect with God. And so this leads me to my first point, and that is we are all being worked on. We are all being worked on. All of us, every single person in this room, for anyone who wasn't able to join us this morning, anyone watching online, we are all being worked on. His handiwork and his workmanship. And so if you are here today and there is breath in your lungs, I believe that qualifies you for his good work. And I believe that this work that he has started, he will continue until either the last day we have here on earth or until he comes back. And I believe that is his plan. I believe that Jesus is molding us and shaping us. I believe that he has called us to something and he is making us into the person that he wants us to be. Now, I believe that there is something very liberating and freeing about knowing that Jesus is working in us and on us. I believe that there is something beautiful to know that we are his handiwork and that we are his workmanship. To know that he is that close that he is working in us and on us on a daily basis. Now, coming to know Jesus at the point of salvation, that's when the work really starts. That's not the end of it. That's the beginning of it. We call it being born again for a reason. It is the beginning of a new life. And at the beginning of that life is when Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, starts working in us. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I can confidently say that I'm glad he's working on me. I'm glad that he is molding me and shaping me into who he wants me to be. I'm grateful that he is active in my life on a day-to-day -day basis. And I believe that he loves us just as we are, as we sing today, as we are grasping and trying to understand what it means to be loved by him. The last couple of weeks, Pastor Darrell shared two messages and they were about the love of God, of how we can accept God's love and what his unconditional love looks like and what it means for us on a daily basis to be loved by him and how we can't earn it, we just have to receive it. And so I believe, and I'm, I believe that you are all convinced of this as well, he does love us and he will continue to love us. 
But I also believe that he loves us so much that he won't let us stay the same. He loves you for who you are, but he doesn't want you to stay the same. He wants more and better for you. What a greater definition of love than to want more for somebody else. Now, I believe that he is doing a work in you just as much as the person sitting next to you. And some of us might be thinking, well, he better start working as you think about whoever might be sitting next to you. If God is truly doing a work in all of us, is it possible that we can be an example as the church to the world around us? If God is doing a work in all of us, is it possible for us as the church to be an example to those who are on the outside? If we can trust and believe that God is doing a work in all of us, would it be possible for us to see each other just a little differently? Would we be able to be a little bit more tolerant of our shortcomings and our downfalls? Would we allow more space for offense and grace? Would it be possible for us to treat each other as the church the way that Jesus commanded and the way that he intended? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to single out our church. I'd like to talk about the global church, but God didn't call me to the global church. He called me to this church. And this is the platform that he has allowed me to hold. And so I'd like to speak to our church here today. If we can only remember that all of us are being worked on, would we allow each other just to be a little human? What if we stopped expecting perfection from one another? Because we all know that perfection is not realistic. Jesus doesn't ask us to be perfect, but yet we expect perfection from each other. Would we feel more comfortable asking for the sin in our lives, asking for prayer for the sin in our lives, if we knew that somebody wouldn't be critical or judgmental of our struggle? If we showed grace to each other, would the world see the church as a sanctuary of love and grace and hope? Now hear me, hear me as I say this. If we as the church have a hard time accepting each other, why would the world want anything to do with us? Why would those looking on the outside in, would be, why would they be excited to be a part of what's going on on the inside? When we're, we're, we're fighting each other, we're attacking each other, and we're expecting perfection from one another. 1 Peter 4.8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. Jesus said in John 13.35, that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus said our love for each other will prove to the world that we are his disciples. 
He's not talking about the world, the love that we have for the world. He's talking about the love that we have for each other. He's talking to his disciples and his followers, which that's us here today. We are his disciples and we are his followers. And so the world will know that we are his by the love that we have for each other. Now, if every one of us lived this truth that Jesus is doing a work in us, could you imagine what church could look like? Would, be, would we be a little bit more excited to be here on a rainy Sunday morning? If we admitted that we don't have it all together and that we don't have it all figured out, would we allow and make way and space for others to admit the same thing? Because I believe that we would be able to pave the way for an authentic faith that isn't obsessed with perfection. I believe that we can be an example to others that Jesus is continuing a work in us and we are all a work in progress. Because I believe in our victories, Jesus is moving and working. And I believe that even in our mess, Jesus is moving and working. Amen? So for my next point is he can and will use anything. He can and will use anything. My next passage we'll look at is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Now let me ask you this by a show of hands. How many would want the Lord to do a work in you? How many of us are glad that we are his handiwork and his workmanship? That's most of us, if not all of us. It is almost a question that you really don't need to be asked. Like, of course I want Jesus to work me. Of course I want to be his handiwork. Who wouldn't want that? Let's read James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. This is what James says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Another version says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. Consider it joy when trials and troubles come. Now, naturally speaking, our minds tell us that these two ideas cannot coincide, or they should not be able to coincide. Trials and troubles and joy kind of sound like oil and water. Why would these things mix and why would they be mentioned within the same passage in the same verse and in the same stream of thought that James had here? Trials and troubles and joy. Now, if I asked all of you today how many of you have faced a trial and how many of you have faced a tribulation or a difficulty, I think most of us, if not all of us, would raise our hands. And so my follow-up question would be, 
How many of you during your time of trial remembered to consider it joy? How many of us during our trial, maybe that we have gone through or are going through, remembered to consider it joy? My guess is not many of us, because I know I haven't. But I also just asked all of you, how many of you want to be his handiwork and his workmanship? And we all raised our hands. Now, my question for you is, what if Jesus wants to work in us in a way that we didn't expect? What if what he wants to use during his process with us of workmanship and handiwork, what if what the tools that he wants to use aren't exactly what we think he should use? What if him working on us requires something of us? What if there is a demand placed on us if we would want Jesus to work in us? What if Jesus wants to work in us in a way that is a little bit more uncomfortable? Now, I believe that if we all want Jesus to work in our lives and finish this work, I think we need to be able to recognize his hand at work in more than just one way. And more than just the feast and the prosperity, but also in the famine and in need, that Jesus is working and moving in ways that we might not be able to recognize. Isaiah 64, 8 says, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hands. Now, oftentimes, if anyone have, if any of you have seen either in person or a video of somebody working on a piece of pottery, they start with a lump of clay, um, and the clay doesn't really look like anything. The clay is formless and shapeless. Um, it, there, there, there is no resemblance of what it will eventually become. In a similar way, I believe Jesus is molding us and shaping us into an image that is more like him. But I think sometimes it is hard to see that in just the lump of clay that we're looking at. And I believe for some of us, the very thing that we are rejecting, the very thing that we're trying to avoid, could be the very thing that Jesus is using to work on us. The very thing that we are wanting to just overcome and God, take it away. What if that is what he's wanting to use in his handiwork? And if we want to be his workmanship, shouldn't it be up to him what he would want to use? Some of us think that the enemy is after us. It's just God using maybe something a little bit more uncomfortable. And sometimes what might be meant to destroy us Jesus can use it for his glory and for us to be his workmanship. And I'd encourage you to not be discouraged. Just because he is doing a work that we cannot see, it doesn't mean that he isn't working. And it doesn't mean that he is not present. Now, I believe that one of the greatest areas of our lives that Jesus is wanting to work is in the area of our minds and our thoughts. 
And before I go any further, I, I like to tread lightly, and I want to say uh, I understand the sensitivity of what I'm about to say. I believe in mental and emotional health have a correlation even to our spiritual health. And I don't mean to downplay or dismiss anyone's struggle here or anyone's battle. But if you are deeply struggling with something, it's okay to read your Bible and it's okay to pray, but it's also okay to seek help. And so if that is something that is happening or, or you're dealing with in your life right now, you can seek professional help, but you can also pray simultaneously. And there is no shame in that. But I believe that the more time goes on, the more I realize that our minds are under attack. The more I realize that our minds are extremely vulnerable in this season and time of our world and especially our country. It seems as if the place that we are in just gets crazier and crazier as the day, weeks, months, and years go on. And it seems like there is no end to it. And if you don't know what I mean, watch any news station for five minutes and tell me if you're frustrated, upset, anxious, a little sad, a little worried, and just a little paranoid about what you just saw. And that information is available to us, and we hear those things more than us being here on a Sunday morning. And so, of course, our minds are under attack. But I believe that God wants to change our minds as much as he wants to change our hearts. And I think this is a part of the crucial work that he is doing. Let's look at Romans chapter 2, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When we allow him to change our thinking, we are better able to recognize his will for our lives. I believe that there is a stability and soundness that Jesus will provide as he is renewing our minds. And we can understand this, that our thoughts are powerful. Our thoughts are a silent killer because without saying a word, our thoughts can send us down a, a spiraling path of self-doubt, frustration, and isolation. And I believe that none of these things are intended for us. We can look at 2 Corinthians 10.5 and it says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I believe that we have to be active in capturing our minds. We can pray, but maybe we can watch the news a little bit less. And we may feel that we are battling an enemy within, but in reality, sometimes we're just at a war with ourselves and with our own thoughts and with our own hurt and with our own pain and with our own minds. And so we ask God to help us recognize these things and we give it to him. Because I believe that a part of Jesus' redemptive work on the cross was also meant to restore and heal our minds. Uh, Pastor Luke talked about this this morning during communion and what Jesus' sacrifice meant for our healing. It is a physical healing, but I also feel like it is an emotional and mental healing as well. 
I believe Jesus wants to heal the whole person, not just a portion of us. And going back to the example that we talked about earlier, um, I'd like to uh, talk about my last point here. My last point is we should not compare ourselves. We should not compare ourselves. As I mentioned, the potter and the clay, and how the potter will mold this lump of clay into whatever the potter would want. In this example, we're talking about something visible. We can see what a potter is doing to this lump of clay. And we can even see the progression of, of, of what's happening in his or her mind as they are creating something. But we're talking about something that's seen and visible. Now, I believe that when we look at ourselves on the outside only, it's easy to get incredibly fixated on just the things that we can see. If we think about just the outside appearance only, it is incredibly easy to get fixated on the things that we cannot see. Now, although Jesus is doing a work that can be seen and that can be measured, I also believe he's doing a work that isn't as obvious. I also believe he's doing a work that's a little bit more subtle and maybe a little bit more private. Now, I believe that as the church, it is important for us to not fall into the temptation of comparing ourselves with each other. Because when we compare ourselves to each other, we undermine, that, we undermine the work that Jesus is doing in our own lives. We end up getting fixated on what Jesus is doing in somebody else's life, and we lose sight of what he's doing in our own life. I believe that when we focus on just the outside and we compare ourselves to other people, I believe that we will end up robbing ourselves. We will end up robbing ourselves when we play the comparison game. Because I believe that if you or I play the comparison game, the only person that loses is you or I. If you play the comparison game, the only person that loses every time is you. When we compare ourselves to ourselves, we can lose sight of the progress that we have already made. When we, when we compare ourselves to ourselves or to each other, I think we start to ignore the process that we are currently on. And if we ignore the process that we are on, we can quickly lose gratitude. We can lose perspective and we can lose our sense of peace. But I would like to remind us that God doesn't just focus on what's happening on the outside. God sees things that others may not see. He knows what's happening in the unseen. You see, I believe God looks inward. I believe he is concerned with what's happening on the inside. He is interested with the condition of our hearts. We can look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, and, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. 
but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, we see this in our world today, do we not? We see how there is a tremendous emphasis on the outside of things. We have so many tools at our disposal to highlight the outward appearance of things. And perhaps, perhaps we want the outward things to be at the forefront so no one sees the truth on the inside. But that's a message for a different day. Let's see if Pastor Earl invites me back up here. Now, I might lose some of you here, but follow me. With the age of social media and the internet and how connected we truly are, we're really not that connected. How easy it is for us to think we know someone. How quickly do we assume we have a good grasp on who someone is just because we see a few photos or a few videos? The beauty of social media is that we can choose what parts of our lives people see. And we can also choose what parts that they don't see. And us as the user can be highly selective with what people know about us. It is, it is a good thing, but I also believe in the same sentence, it could be somewhat of a detriment. That we can only show the highlights of our lives. And in turn, others think we have a perfect life. But we know deep down inside that is not always the case. Because I believe the work that he is doing in me and in you might look different than the work that he is doing in the person next to you. I believe that it would be in our best interest to avoid comparing what each other's handiwork and workmanship look like. We have no clue what God might be doing, planning, and purposing for the person next to us. Closing thoughts, but I have good news. Jesus sees us for who we are. He sees the good and the bad. He sees the trials, and he sees the victories. There is nothing we can hide from him. He knows us inside out, top to bottom, left to right, and we are called his workmanship. He sees us for who we are, and we are still called his workmanship. Amen? So recap here, point number one. We are being worked on. Two, Jesus can and will use anything. And three, we should not compare ourselves. And I hope and I pray that this word would sink in because he is not done with you yet. I hope this word would sink in because he is not done with us yet. And we are a continual work to be his workmanship. And it is okay for our lives to not look perfect because I don't think he wants perfection from us anyways. I think he just wants us. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word today. God, thank you that you are good and you are gracious. God, thank you for what you have spoken and what you have revealed to us. God, as we have heard the truth, I pray that you would give us the grace to be able to see it and receive it and accept it into our lives. God, I thank you for everyone that is here. God, I thank you for uh, all the work that you have done, are doing, and will do. Thank you that we are your handiwork and thank you that we are your workmanship. Thank you, God, that you're moving even in, even in times that we don't see. And I pray that these words would stick to us. Holy Spirit, that you would remind us of what we have heard today. And we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.